0: Yeah No
1: Father's day. Hello, happy day?
2: Happy Father's
1: Day? Happy, Say, happy Father's Day? Happy Father's Day. <laughs> okay, okay that, let's pray. Uh, Father, we just thank you for this special day um, for fathers all over the world. And I just really pray that. Um, you would help men all over the world to to really step up and show what it means to be godly Christian men, and we pray that you would bless those who who maybe don't have their uh, dads with them today, um, be close to them if they're bereaved, or maybe perhaps feel missing out. I know I am. I feel acutely aware of that, not not having um, grown up with a father myself. And so we just pray that whether we have children or not, we would take that responsibility really seriously to look after the next generation and to look after our loved ones and to be kind to the unkind, for that's how you've treated us. So Father, I pray you be with us all as we gather online today, I pray you bless us through Johnny's word. Bless Johnny, um, who I'm sure has a lack of sleep, becoming a father again. And just through his word this morning, I pray we'd be challenged, we'd be inspired, and we would grow closer to you. And pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.
3: Good morning and welcome to your online worship. It's great to be able to join with you online, although we can't be together collectively as his church here within this building at the current time We join together online, spiritually united together as God's church. But of course, the big news this week has been the decision by the executive to reopen churches from Monday, the 29th of June. However, they stress that that is an indicative decision and an indicative date. A definitive decision will be made this Thursday, the 25th of June. And so please pray for our political leaders as they seek to go about making that decision. Please pray also for the leaders of the denominations and faith communities within Northern Ireland as they take part in that decision-making process. And our Kirk session here within Garnerville will meet this Thursday evening, and so please pray for them and for us as we seek to go about making the decisions and following the guidelines and putting into place all the practicalities that must be in place to enable us to meet together. Many will be looking forward excitedly to meeting together here in a church. Some might be nervous, and so we will continue providing online services over the coming months. Our moderator in the Presbyterian Church of Ireland also provides an online service, which can be found on the PCI website, and we'll provide a link for that. But please pray for our churches, pray for us, and pray for the political leaders as they go about making that decision this Thursday. In regards to that, if you would like to know more, please contact myself or please speak to your elder and they will be able to tell you more come this Thursday. We'll also have some signs up on the church building if you're ever past and you would like to know more. We join together to worship. Normally, as we would gather and as we will be gathering again, although it may be in different circumstances with different guidelines in place and very different from what we're used to, we come together to worship of all ages, of all sizes, of all genders, we come to worship who God is. And on a Sunday morning, we would gather our children up to the front to hear what they have to say and to hear what we say to them. And we're going to do that again virtually this morning because today is a special day. So let's do that now. Well, good morning. I'm sure many of you will know what special day it is today. Of course, it's Father's Day, and maybe you've already got up and got your dad some breakfast in bed, or maybe you've just left him alone actually in bed, and that's his present. Or maybe the present is yet to come. Maybe it's a, a round of golf later on, or some peace and quiet later on. But whatever you're doing, I'm sure you'll have a special treat for your dad at some stage today. Of course, this morning, we're thinking about fathers, and on Father's Day, we think about our physical fathers, but we're also going to think later on about our spiritual fathers. But I want to play a bit of a game with you about our physical fathers who are here. We have a quiz, so we have some photographs up on the wall, and I'm just going to see if you can guess who the fathers are by the photographs of the children. I know it's quite hard to see on the wall, so these will come up on your screens at some point, and I'll also put them in the comments to let you take this little quiz. But the first, there are two. There are a boy and a girl, and I'll give you some clues along the way. This boy and girl, they're slightly older in years now, but their dad will kill me for putting this up on the wall because he'll tell me off. He looks after all the buildings and all the property in the church, and he is, of course, David Cunningham. And so that is David and Suzanne, a nice little picture of them whenever they were a lot younger. Our second, this sweet little girl is still sweet and still young. Her dad, was he's been on our screens quite a lot in the recent months. He's been up at the front, but then also he was taking one of the prayers a number of weeks ago. He's the church drummer. It is Richard Cherry, and that's Faye looking as angelic as she always does when you see her. The next, these two boys in this photograph, they look like they're having a great laugh together, and they always do. They're always entertaining. There's always some sort of buzz happening. Their dad has been on the front line of a lot. He's been on your, our Facebook feed because of that as well. He is, of course, Ozzy, and that's Harry and Jack, and they always look like that. This one is probably slightly more difficult. They have the same name, give you that. You see him at the front of our church whenever we gather together on Sundays before coronavirus hit. It is a very young-looking Jackie Dyer and his daughter Jackie. Jackie in that photograph, you might not recognize him because he's got dark hair. Normally his hair is a little lighter than that, but that's the two Jackies. This photograph, you'll know this dad, again, he's been up at the front of our church, he's been on our screens, whether it's taking sermons or playing his trumpet, and so that will give you a big clue as to who this man is with a nice little mustache, and again, some dark hair. That's Tom and Fiona and Joe, and we've been thinking about them, and Tracy was our featured member this week, and Tracy was telling us about Fiona and Joe and all that they're up to. This one is probably a little bit harder, and these last two are the hardest of them all, this is a very young-looking boy in this one. He's still quite young. He's very angelic uh, as well. He's very good at tennis, and his father in this photograph looks like he could be in James Bond, and he has a slight James Bond-esque name. First film was Dr. No. This father is Dr. Love. It's Johnny, and that's Isaac. i love a picture of Isaac when he was younger. In this one, this is probably the hardest This dad you'll you'll know very well. A picture of his son is a little bit more difficult. I'll tell you his his son's name is John. And this is Albert holding John's son. This is Albert holding Zenith. So that's Albert. Of course, you'll know some of these people. You'll know them from our church. You might not have seen their children in a while. And their children might not have looked like any of these photographs in a while. But you're able to tell them because there is a resemblance. There's a likeness in some of these photographs, whether it's the eyes, whether it's the angelic looks, whether it's the the grin on these faces and Aussies, whether it's Joe and Fiona eating and Tom's always got something in his hands, or whether it's the angelic good looks of Isaac and Johnny Love. Some of these photographs you'll know because they have a resemblance, they have a likeness. We all have in some way a likeness of our physical fathers We've noticed that in recent years. People will come up to Caleb and say, oh, he really looks like his dad. Or maybe you've done that when a baby arrives and you've said they really look like one of the parents. There's always a likeness. This morning we're thinking about our physical fathers, but we're also thinking about our spiritual father. And when we gather as church, we seek to think of our spiritual father and reflect on what he says and then leave with the likeness of who he is. It said in the Bible in 2 Corinthians that we are a sweet perfume, a sweet fragrance or aroma of Christ to all the world because we are to show His likeness. We are to show His features. We are to show who He is in the world around us. And so that's our prayer for you on this Father's Day. As you seek to reflect your Father's likeness, we as the church seek to reflect our Heavenly Father's likeness. In this world. Let's pray for that now. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can be like you, that we are called to be like you. And it's regardless of our age or our height or our hair color or or whatever stage of life we're at, we are called to be like you wherever we are. Whether it's at home as a child or playing with our friends, or whether it's as an adult in retirement, whether it's in our workplaces or wherever we are. We are called to be like you and to show your likeness to the whole world. So this morning we pray a blessing on all our fathers, our physical fathers. We pray for those who don't have their fathers with them any longer, but we pray that each of us in these days can reflect our heavenly Father in all that we seek to do. So bless our girls and boys and our young families, we pray this day, and all our fathers in Jesus' name, amen. We're going to continue our service by singing of the Father's love, of that heavenly Father's love for us as we sing how deep the Father's love for us.
0: Mar the chosen one Bring many sons to glory Oh
4: Twenty-three, verses 12 to 22, the plot to kill Paul. The next morning the Jews form a conspiracy and bind themselves with an oath not to eat or drink until they had killed Paul. More than 40 men were involved in this plot. They went to the chief priests and elders and said, We have taken a solemn oath not to eat anything until we have killed Paul. Now then, you and the Sanhedrin petition the commander to bring him before you on the pretext of wanting more accurate information about his case. We are ready to kill him before he gets here. But when the son of Paul's sister heard of this plot, he went into the barracks and told Paul.
2: Then Paul called one of the centurions and said, take this young man so the commander he has something to tell him so he took him to the commander the centurion said paul the prisoner sent for me and asked me to bring this young man to you because he has something to tell you the commander took the young man by the hand drew him aside and asked what is it you want me to do you want to tell me he said The Jews have agreed to ask you to bring Paul before the Sanhedrin tomorrow on the pretext of wanting some accurate information about him. Don't give it to them, because more than 40 of them are waiting in ambush for him. They have taken an oath not to eat or drink until they have killed him. They are ready now, waiting for your consent to their request. The commander dismissed the young man and cautioned him. Don't tell anyone that you have reported this to me. Here at the reading.
3: Thank you, David and Jean, for leading us in our reading this morning as we continue through the book of Acts, reflecting what the early church was doing, reflecting what Paul was doing in the midst of it, and hearing more about his trials and his struggles in the midst of his missionary journeys, in the midst of his witness to the wider world, of which we are a part, our church is part of His witness to the early parts of that province and into Europe, and so we give thanks and praise God for His work. But we read these stories to see what He did in the midst of some of those trials, in the midst of some of those hardships, and what He calls us to be in the midst of them. And today being Father's Day, we've been thinking about how we are to reflect the likeness of our earthly fathers and how we do that physically, but then also the spiritual likeness that we have in our heavenly Father. And one of the most obvious ways that you might think you would be like God is maybe to attend church or to do various things that make you like God. Maybe it's to attend church on a Sunday morning, maybe it's to pray, or maybe it's to read the Bible. One of the clearest ways in which we portray God's likeness is in how we live through His holiness. He calls us to be holy as I am holy. And for some of that, that, some of us, that can be very difficult. We could maybe look to someone else to say, well, they're holy because they do certain things or don't do certain things. Maybe they say certain things or don't say certain things. It used to be back in the days that you could be called holy because you didn't go to places on a Sunday or you didn't go to the cinema or you didn't do various kinds of things. And so it was easy to say that person was holy. Or maybe nowadays we would say that person's good living because they don't do certain things or don't act in certain ways or don't behave in certain manners. But really, holiness is something that we all possess. In the Bible, it's talked about in two ways. There's, on one hand, it's a moral spiritual purity reflective of God and Jesus as the supreme examples, and it's what we all seek to be. We all seek to have a, a sense of moral and spiritual purity. That's why all those actions are so good, going to church, reading your Bible, praying, living in certain ways. They're a sense of moral and spiritual purity. But it also talks about holiness in the sense of something, an object, or a place, or a person being set apart for God's glory. Certain people are set apart, are called holy by being set apart. And in the reading that David and Jean read for us, we see this man, Paul, and we've seen him before, who is set apart for God's work. Right back in chapter 9 in his conversion from a former way of life to this way of life, the disciples and all the followers of Jesus are scared of him because of what he's doing. And Ananias, when Paul experiences this conversion, is sent by God to, to take the scales from his eyes. And Ananias is told by God, Paul has been set apart. He has been chosen for a special work. He has been set apart in the midst of his former life. He is holy because he has been set apart by God. He goes on to speak of himself in Romans chapter 1 where he calls himself, he speaks of himself as being set apart for the gospel of God. And he doesn't do this all to place himself on a pedestal, but he goes on to say in his writings, imitate me as I imitate Jesus. Imitate my holiness as I imitate Jesus' holiness. But the interesting thing is that Paul never says he is holy because of what he has done, the adventures he has been on, the missionary journeys he has traveled on, the the sufferings and the beatings that he has endured. None of that classes him as holy. He is holy and he is set apart and he is chosen because of what Christ has done in him and to him and continues to do through him. Paul is holy because God has imparted that holiness on him. He was chosen by God and set apart by God and made holy by God. But again in this passage that David and Jean read for us, we don't see Paul really doing anything. He's a victim of this brutal scheme and and these schemers at this time because he has been imprisoned, and there's a plot to exterminate him, to get rid of him, and so these Jews have taken an oath that they will ensure that he dies. Paul's just a mere pawn in this passage, but the main character is his nephew, because his nephew, hearing of this plot, goes and tells Paul and then is sent to the centurion and tells them of all these things. God's holiness is seen through all that Paul does because our faith is built upon what Paul does. It's built upon all the places that Paul goes, all the message that he spreads to all these people. And yet in this moment, his holiness, his very life relies on his nephew God's holiness is seen in the bigger picture through Paul, but is seen in a small, maybe even seemingly insignificant moment carried out by his nephew, because his nephew puts his life at risk for Paul. His nephew cares for his welfare and shows him unconditional love. His nephew acts even in the midst of great danger and trial. Not to Paul, essentially, because Paul is already in danger, but great trial and danger for him. And when we tend to think about holiness, we think of those big pictures, those other people, those important people, those really spiritual people who are doing important things, who are speaking out. Or maybe you think of the person who stands in the front of church, or maybe you think of the great spiritual giants of the ages. And Paul's one of those, but here this morning, we see holiness in a very simple act. Because God chose Paul's nephew for this moment, Paul, he was set apart by God for this moment. And so, when we think upon any passages, when we reflect upon any of them, we have to ask, well, what ways are we doing that in the ordinary, in the everyday, in the midst of a pandemic? Because I'm not going to cure this pandemic. I don't think you are either. Maybe in the midst of the Black Lives Matter movement, I'm not going to solve racism in our world. But what am I doing for it here? in the midst of my life, in the midst of actions that I do every day? How am I showing God's holiness? How am I reflecting the Father's image? How am I showing His likeness to all the people that I will meet, to all the places I will go? How will I show that unconditional love and care that Paul's nephew did, even in the midst of trial and danger. And the ways in which they answer to that, and there will be hundreds of those small little ways, is the holiness that we have. They are the ways that we are showing the world God's holiness. Because in those moments, everyone will see how we have been set apart from the rest of the world. At times we can assume that our holiness is based on what we believe, on what we can assert, and that is important. It's important to profess these things and acknowledging them, but we have to live them out in the midst of our everyday lives, in the midst of the society that we live in, putting into action what we say we believe. It is then that through the church of God and through each of us Believing that God has set us apart and imparted holiness upon us, that we will know the Father and serve Him and love Him in all that we do. The song that we're going to close our service with this morning is essentially a creed. It's a statement of beliefs and what we believe in the Christian faith. And the aim of any creed is to affirm that which is believed so that we can be inspired to put it into practice. It's not just so we have a nice poem or a nice song. A creed isn't just something nice that we can all say together. A creed affirms what we believe so that we can acknowledge it and put it into practice. And so, as we finish our service this morning, we believe that we We believe that God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are with us, and we affirm our holiness and likeness and go to show that to the world around us. Before we do that, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have imparted your holiness upon us. It is a gift given to us which shows your unconditional love for us. And like any father, give gifts to his children. We thank you that we can do nothing to earn it. There is nothing that will make us more holy or less holy because you have chosen us and set us apart for the work that you would have us do. Forgive us the times when we doubt that, when we sidestep it, when we assume it's for someone else. Forgive us the times when we doubt that we are holy at all and help us in the midst of that holiness to be your likeness, to reflect your image, to show your unconditional love and care for the world in which we live, the world that's around us, the world that we meet in our everyday lives. We affirm you as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We affirm all that you have done, and this morning as we close our service, we affirm that we shall go and put it into practice. As we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Let's sing that closing song together.
0: i e we conclude our service today by blessing each other with the words of the grace, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore.